Simple Suttas, a podcast on original Buddhism. Visit us at simplesuttas.wordpress.com. Okay, so now the new stuff here. Well, yeah, and I mean, just one thing on right effort for those with a scorecard at home. I think the easiest way to think about it is uh, guarding against unhelpful mind states, abandoning unhelpful mind states that have already arisen, uh, maintaining ones that are helpful, right, that we've already got, and then trying to arise or upwell ones that uh, helpful mind states that have not yet arisen. Uh, Yeah, that's that's it exactly. Yeah, I think this is a a little different way of, of putting it. Uh, in, in this sutta, I, I think that uh, mostly what that means is uh, the, the unhelpful ones are the five hindrances yeah. and that the helpful ones are the four Brahma Viharas. Mm-hmm. Is that what you, you take as well? Uh, I think you could think about it as the four Brahma Viharas. You could also probably take it, uh, which it does in this one, uh, seven factors of enlightenment. Right, right, yeah. right, yeah. I, I like uh, the Brahma Viharas because it's uh, very specific practices that go with each, you yeah. know, like down to the, okay, ill will versus metta, sure. you know, the, the, yeah, that, yeah. that kind of thing. Okay. This is how he attends unwisely. Mm-hmm. Was I in the past? Was I not in the past? Was I in the pa- uh, What was I in the past? How was I in the past? Having been what? What did I become in the past? Shall I be in the future? Shall I not be in the future? What shall I be in the future? How shall I be in the future? Having been what? What shall I become in the future? Or else he is inwardly perplexed about the present thus. Am I? Am I not? What am I? How am I? Where has this being come from? Where will it go? So what is there? Where's the no self part in there? <laughs> Wasn't there a no self? That that is the next paragraph. Oh, that's the next the paragraph. Next, okay, right. yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get right. there. But they 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 clearly relate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shall I go ahead and read that as yeah, well? Yeah, do it. Okay, do it. that's my favorite one. All right. When he <laughs> when he attends unwisely in this way, one of the six views arises in him. The view self exists for me arises in him as true and established. Or the view no self exists for me arises in him as true and established. Or the view I perceive self with self arises in him as true and established. Or the view I perceive not self with self arises in him as true and established. Or the view I perceive self with not self arises in him (laughs) as true and established. Or else he has such views as this. It is this self of mine that speaks and feels and experiences here and there the result of good and bad action. But this self of mine is permanent, everlasting, eternal, not subject to change, and it will endure as long as eternity. This speculative view, bhikkhus, is called the thicket of views, the wilderness of views, the contortion of views, the vacillation of views, the fetter of views. Fettered by the fetter of views, the untaught ordinary person is not freed from birth, aging, and death. From sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, he is not freed from suffering, I say. So that's a mouthful right there. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Man, uh, you know, and I think that probably if we wanted to uh, take a look in our minds at a different teaching, this probably relates very strongly the link uh, between craving and clinging, right? I think the first paragraph that you read about inappropriate attention probably goes towards craving. And then the second paragraph where he's talking about all the different views probably falls into clinging. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. So uh, uh, how is that so? Well, because uh, remember, craving is, uh, let's see, if I can, uh, craving can be uh, sensual. So there's sensual craving, what are the different, okay. Yep, there we go. 
three types of craving, right? Central craving, craving for becoming, craving for not becoming, right? Clinging. We've got different types of clinging. We've got uh, self-identity clinging, practice, precept and practice clinging, uh, central clinging. One of the did I say self-identity? I did. There's I think so. Other. And that's the, and yeah. that's the one that's addressed in that second. That's, paragraph. Yeah, in that second yeah. paragraph, yeah. right? Yeah, that makes sense. So then the first one is anything wrapped up in um, you know how was I in the past? What I, what will right, I become? Right. Am I going? To, are there going to be pleasant contacts and pleasant pleasurable things in the future? Were there pleasurable things in the past? Right, uh, all that kind of stuff. Okay, no, that, that that's starting to make sense. Yeah, and and I, uh, in, just in terms of this sutta, I relating that to uh, being, where he says, uh, you know, you, you you've got sensual desire, you've got ignorance and being. I yeah, relate and all that's of this being is probably bhava. Is that? You know, I don't have it right here, but that that makes sense. I would guess right, mm-hmm. and that's then that's the next step in the chain, right? It's, yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah. Well, um, you know, just on a practical level, I think this is kind of interesting that he is. Uh, so here, here's the little contradiction that I that I think I, I might spy. Mm-hmm. Right? On the one hand, we both have talked about how it can be that, that one of the three knowledges was knowledge of past lives mm-hmm. and knowledge of kama, meaning you know um, uh, how your kama mm-hmm. creates yeah rising and passing away beings yeah exactly exactly. But here it's saying that it's actually a fetter to be thinking, was I in the past, what was I in the past, and so on. Mm-hmm. So I think I can see a crack between those two views, but you can see where it could be, you could very easily go one direction or the other if you're not careful. Right. I, yeah, I mean, and I guess one of the things here is he's talking about uh, thinking and pondering, and the experience that we're talking about is far beyond thinking and pondering. Yeah, it's, I it's, think that's it, exactly. Yeah. That you can see directly. Yeah. Um, direct knowledge right but the path to direct but the path to knowledge of those things isn't sitting and thinking oh I wonder what I was no, oh I wonder what I'll be <laughs> right right that, that's that's not the path yeah. and that that sitting and thinking about it and wondering and all of that is beyond useless yeah right that what do you do well you do the meditation you do the yeah. path you do that you know and, th- and that's the way to, to know those things yeah I guess one of the things that's expressly uh... <laughs> put as unfit for attention is whether you have a self or whether you have no self. Yes, am I? Am I not? What am I? How am I? Where is this being come from? Yeah. Oh, man, that's, uh, I mean, that, we could just take like a whole, there's about a, you know, stack of books this thick that are <laughs> supposedly Buddhist and we can just pitch them in the fire. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly right. That uh, And I, I found myself doing this where it's just easier to say, you know, there is no self, you know, just, just put it aside. But that's not it. That's you know? not it, no. That's a view, yeah. That, that's a view. And it, it can be, it, it's close to something that's a shorthand for what the Buddha really meant. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you take, uh, take it literally, then that completely heads mm. in the wrong direction. Yeah. But we, we spent a fair amount of time a few weeks ago talking about anatta and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and all that. But, uh, you know, I, I think my, my understanding, my takeaway is that... Um, that either that that coming down on either side of those yes Mm -hmm. i am or no i am not Mm -hmm. we don't have the evidence to do that Mm -hmm. and so therefore wondering thinking about it trying to figure it out is worse than useless yeah yeah no and and i mean i think that probably uh you know anatta and the the five khandas that would fall under appropriate attention yeah you know that like if you're going to start going down that Trying to thought, then you just sit there and you're like, okay, five condos, here I go. <laughs> right. Right, you know. Exactly. It's not that you don't think about it, but it's how you think about yeah. it. It's not, oh, am I? I don't know what I am, you know. Mm-hmm. But rather it's, okay, let's look at this specific thing. Yeah. Am I my body? 
Okay, right. let's let's see if that's true or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and how what and what are the consequences of that view? How is that going to play out? Yeah. yeah, but the distinction between those two practices can be so fun. Very so. Yeah. Sitting and thinking, am I or am I not? Versus, am I this body? Am I this mm-hmm. feeling? Yeah. And one is a useful, important practice, and one is you know. Well, I mean, and even am I this form? I wouldn't even necessarily take it that way. I would say, well, okay, form. What is form? Form is composed of the four primary elements, right? Uh, is it, you know, once again, okay, I, I got a good idea. What's this form? How did, How is that? Okay, I know what this form is. Now, being that, uh, is this form uh, permanent? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> we know there's no possible way that we can in any way call this form permanent. We can't call any external form permanent. We can't call any internal form permanent. Absolutely no way that we can call any of that stuff permanent. right? And then once again, okay, if it's impermanent, then is it subject to suffering? right? Is it going to be one way today and another way tomorrow? And if I grab on to either the way that it is today or tomorrow, am I going to suffer for that? Well, yes, I have to. right? That's the way that it works. If I have a preference between... David's body today, David's body tomorrow, David's body in 10 years. Uh, oh, man, I can tell you, there's there's no possible way that I can sustain any one of those. It's not going to happen, right? right? And so if, if it's impermanent, uh, if it's subject to suffering, is it worth even attending in any way that this body is, is David, that this body is myself? No, it's not, right? And so it's not even, once again, oh, am I this body? No, <laughs> don't even bother with that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, okay, here's the body. This, I know what the body is. Is it permanent or is it impermanent? Well, if it was permanent, I could cling to it and it'd be just fine, right? That would be for my long-term well-being, right? Because right? Right. I could just, oh, man, this thing's permanent. I'm just going to hold on. Here's my, here's my steady post, right? <laughs> this is going to take me through everything just fine. But because I can't do that, then, uh, well, <laughs> then it's just not worth attending in that way. Right. You know, it's interesting. I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that's a good practice. But it's also, that that is also quite similar in structure to what happened to, to this next paragraph, right? Okay. Yeah. Both of them are, could be thought of as kind of philosophizing. Yeah. The, the, the word. So in here you have the view, self exists for me, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, well, uh, is it, so here's my, here's my question. Mm-hmm. Is it the case that, there is a particular philosophy that we should adopt and that that will lead us forward? Or is it that we should set aside philosophizing generally and only look to what's um, observable and that that's the, what's pointed to? Uh, well, I would say uh, that uh, <laughs> he has a lot of stuff to say about that. Um, I think probably uh, there is a particular fabrication that leads us to the end of fabrications, right? <laughs> that there is a... a a fabrication that's built, built to do a thing, carry us across a place, to be abandoned at that point, right? But not until you don't hop out of the raft in the middle of the river. And this is right view. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. Uh, I don't know, do you want to take a stab at, uh, at, at uh, decoding a few of these wrong views here? Oh, let's see. So, uh, yeah, okay. You want so to take... so self exists for me. That seems pretty obviously uh, out, of, uh, out of whack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the view no self exists for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's inappropriate attention. Inappropriate right? attention. Uh, yeah. It leads, uh, I mean, I think very quickly to annihilationism, and that's one of the things that uh, almost everybody, you know, um, that is uh, not particularly interested in Buddhism, um, uh, it's the first thing that you're going to hear. Oh, that they're, you know, you guys are atheists. You guys don't believe in any kind of afterlife. It's all, 
you know, just there's you die and the the elements disband and the consciousness scatters, right? <laughs> and uh, well, to me, this is one of those sentences that if you've got the the the, the Bhikkhu Bodhi Nikaya, you get out your highlighter and you highlight that sentence because that he's saying it's unwise to attend to the view no self exists for me. It's right there in black and white. Yep. And uh, it's important to remember because it's um, uh, e- easy to to think that that's what the Buddha taught. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the view I perceive self with self. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? <laughs> so um, this would be that I perceive... Okay, um, I perceive this self that exists, this things that travels through uh, all of existence, right? Uh, I mean, not necessarily uh, permanent, but uh, definitely like I perceive this self, that there is this self that exists, and it is with the self, it is with the self, the cognizer, the seer, the doer, mm. that I see this self, right? I've started using the term uh, true self, yeah. like capitalized Capital true T, self. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They kind of mean like, the, you know, okay, well, sure, there's this body and mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's temporary and it changes all the time. But there's also a true self, yeah. a soul that is, yeah. you know, so I perceive my self with myself. I, yeah. I think this one is saying I perceive my true self with my true self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is that's that. like the cognizer, the, exactly. the thing that experiences feelings and thinks thoughts and does those things. Yeah. I think this is another one that some people get uh, off kilter with when they say things like uh, know the knower. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that is just a hair's know breadth. Knower, be the beer. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. The next one is I perceive not self with self. Yeah. <laughs> it is because of this very self that I have that I can perceive that there is no self or not right. self. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the true self. Uh, do you think the true self is observing the, the mm-hmm. not self of the body and the mind? And the, 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 it would be like this: that you see the uh, the, the, the fabrications, you, you mm-hmm. see the body, the feelings, all those things, and what you're you're observing there, not selfness, with your true self. Quite, yeah, quite possibly. I guess the other thing is um, maybe um, I have this impermanent self that is composed of the four great elements and yeah. is nursed on porridge and rice and will. <laughs> disappear right with the breakup of the body and it is with that temporary self uh, that I can cognize that there is no self or not self. I think that's it I think that's it well I don't know if we need to go through every single one of these but uh, But that that one that oh I have no self and that I can perceive you know I can perceive self with no self or you know no self with no self oh man that's there's a lot of stuff that people have written that's like right down that path and it is this self of mind that speaks and feels and experiences here and there the results of good and bad actions. But the self of mind is permanent, everlasting, eternal, not subject to change, and will endure as long as eternity. Yep. That's Brahmanism. Yep. You know, that, 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 yeah. that's, that's straight up Brahmanism. Well, the thicket of view, the, the, the wilderness of views, I love, uh, I love some of those terms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it, it gets at the idea that, that what you believe is really, really important. And yeah. I, I think sometimes we we get swept away with the really good teaching that it's all about mindfulness, just be mindful. But if you're being mindful and, uh, but your mind is full of these wrong understandings, yeah. then, uh, then it can be really damaging. You're not going to go nearly as far as you can unless you have a kind of a solid grounding what the Buddha meant by these things. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing is too, is that not only uh, what we believe uh, has a great deal to do with what we do, but how we believe 
yeah. how, how tightly we hold these things. Right. I mean, uh, when you read Brahma Jala Sutta, it's like very evident that he covers every, like I said, every single possible philosophical viewpoint from every possible way that you can gain that viewpoint. <laughs> um, and it's very clear that basically all of the ideas of Buddhism fall under the pure purview that if you were to hold on to those things too tightly, any view of Buddhism, that you would be, in fact, caught in that net of 62 divisions. Yeah, exactly what do you believe that, uh, that gets you out of that net? Yeah. Pretty much exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Well, if, uh, if it doesn't offend you, I'm going to skip a few uh, repetitions down to yeah. uh, no, cool. he, he attends wisely. Yeah. So uh, these are all the things that you're not to attend uh, wisely to. All of the, basically I would say all of the wrong views that if you catch yourself philosophizing on, or mm-hmm. worse yet, believing that you're in trouble because it's going to lead you the wrong direction. So he attends wisely. Can you guess what you should attend wisely? <laughs> this is suffering. He attends wisely. This is the origin of suffering. He attends wisely. This is the cessation of suffering. He attends wisely. This is the way leading to the cessation of suffering. When he attends wisely in this way, three fetters are abandoned in him. Personality view, doubt, and adherence to rules and observances. These are called the taints that should be abandoned by seeing. So obviously, Four Noble Truths, mm-hmm. that's what you attend to, that's the view that you that you take up, that's the, the, the if you're going to do some philosophizing, that's the, the, the path to do it down. Yep. And uh, I guess that we should have seen that coming. Yeah. He attends wisely, these three fetters are abandoned, personality, view, doubt, and adherence to rules and observances. That means stream entry. Mm-hmm. That is what that means. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Shall we can, uh, continue? Yeah. Keep so on, yeah. that was the big one, right? And then all the uh, the other seven are uh, are shorter, kind of more specific. I, yeah. I, I took the first one as being kind of the the, the big view, right? Yeah. This is the this really important thing that if you want to have right view, this is the way to do it. These are things to put aside. This is what to take up. Yeah. And that all the others are uh, maybe more specific and more kind of under the umbrella of that big right view. Yeah, I mean, and once again, too, it's like uh, that's the view, and then here's the different ways that you train yourself. You know, you could totally think about this uh, as a different way of looking at the Noble Eightfold Path. Yeah. You know, um, that uh, that first chunk is all about right right view, and then everything that follows afterwards. That's a great point, yeah. So right right off the bat, uh, uh, restraining. Uh, which might be... Uh, sense restraint, right? Yeah, sense restraint, yeah. So, uh, what taints bhikkhus should be abandoned by restraining? Here a bhikkhu, reflecting wisely, abides with the eye faculty restrained. What taints, vexations, and fever might arise in one who abides with the eye faculty unrestrained? There are no taints, vexation, or fever for one who abides with the eye faculty restrained. So, uh, uh, there will be no giant denouement for us because I will just say mm-hmm. it says the same thing for the nose, right, the tongue, yeah. the body, the mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the mind, too, is another one that's, uh, I think, very interesting. Uh, people, I mean, people think it's Puritan to, uh, you know, restrain even the, the five senses. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. This idea that you're going to restrain your mind from thinking about things that are inappropriate attention I mean, it's just absolutely, it's, you might as well, you know, be talking about Scientology or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely right. And uh, I, I think it's, it's very much the spirit of the age to um, really celebrate a lack of restraint in that way. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I feel myself caught up in that view as well sometimes, you know, that, uh, oh, you know, that, that um, uh, let's see, you know, the, it, it, here there are um, 
But when I look at other religions, mm -hmm. I sometimes feel myself wanting to criticize them <laughs> and then realize actually what they're doing is some version of this, yeah. you know, and that, uh, uh, you know, who, who's to say, which is the, 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 the wiser version of that, the, the Western uh, yeah. view. Um, I was at, uh, uh, yeah, I was at the pool the other day and, mm -hmm. and just kind of thinking like, the, uh, like this, you know, what would it mean to restrain my senses mm -hmm. as I'm here with my family at the pool? You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, that's, I guess, too, it's funny, uh, yeah, when I was uh, younger and I was looking at Western religions as well, um, you know, the kind of practices that they talked about, is, oh, it's just ridiculous, <laughs> just completely, and um, and now I undertake practices which are much more extreme <laughs> than anything that I criticized in the past. I guess the difference is, is that um, uh, the way that I feel different about it is that uh, these are all voluntary things that I do and I see the benefit in doing yeah, them so. um, versus I'm uh, being afraid that, uh, mm. you know, it's going to lead to some bad destination in the future. It's, you know, whatever practices I undertake in regards to, regards to sense restraint, you know, I see the benefit of them in the here and now. And I really do believe that if there's something afterwards that it will lead to a benefit there. But I can see for myself that, uh, okay, you know, I each eat too much food and, you know, then I feel slappy and I, or sleepy and I feel groggy <laughs> and then I got to drink a whole bunch of coffee and then I'm up for a while and then I crash. And, you know, you just sit there and you start looking at all these different patterns with uh, all the ways that you sometimes think, oh, well, I'll just give myself this luxury or I'll just indulge myself this one time. And then it just leads to a whole bunch of just mess. And, and you know, it's funny, I think, that as you begin to practice restraint um, more and more, you know, the big things start to go away, the big things with the big consequences, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. um, like uh, drinking for me was, right. a, was a big issue. Like I used to really love to drink and it's really obvious. Um, it's, it's easy to see that like, okay, you have a good time and then you wake up and you just like, oh my gosh, so hungover and you just waste half a day or even a full day because your mind's just completely shot. Um, you know, or you start drinking again because you're trying to, <laughs> trying to avoid that feeling, you know. Um, and so that's, that's a big thing. And then, you know, if you're unlucky or unwise enough to be in a situation where you are completely not in use of your faculties um, and you are then going to engage in something beyond, you know, that's even more immoral because you're just drunk out of your mind or whatever. Uh, I remember reading something. Uh, once that it was like a solid 60 or 70 percent of people that are in jail for murder or for major felonies simply don't remember committing oh the crimes God. because they're just high out of their mind or whatever that's incredible and um you know like and that's just it's right there you know and so i mean the thing was is when i really you know i went uh i was like had to quit drinking for a while mm. you know um when i was younger and and it was like uh you know i i don't drink now but i don't think of it as that i quit drinking it just doesn't interest me anymore <laughs> right um but but for a while i had to like quit drinking and um then after a while i came back to it after things had kind of cleared out with my life and i could uh, enjoy it more in moderation but then as i began practicing sense restraint and especially mind restraint um, you know, I would just notice that as I would sit there and drink, even if it was just one or two drinks, a whole bunch of unhelpful stuff would just come into my mind. Mm. And I say, oh, I don't want this. Must this is point. garbage. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so at that point, you know, I just put it down for good. Like, nah, not, not interest, but I, like I said, I don't even think about like, oh, I quit drinking. I think, you know, did I quit playing with fire trucks? No, <laughs> it's just not appropriate for me anymore. It's not something I want, you know. I uh, well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tell you this this example, even though it's not fully digested. The the, the one at the at, at the pool that was uh, kind of 
just going through my mind was, I'm at the pool, I'm with my family, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of young women in bikinis, yep. right? So, you know, what do you do? Well, one thing, you don't stare at them like an idiot, yeah, you know, yeah. you restrain your, your, your eye faculty. But I also noticed, you know, we, we live in, in Minnesota and there's a lot of uh, Somali uh, mm -hmm. people here, so there were... Uh, so there are a lot of women wearing the hijab. Yeah. And I noticed, I don't know why, I never noticed this before, but a lot of them were wearing like these specialty swimming suit hijabs. Really? Yeah, I'd never seen it before, mm. but they, they, um, they were much uh, like looser and they had, had these very fashionable colors, but they mm. also had the head covering. Mm. There was no face covering, but a, but a head covering. And I found myself sort of thinking, thank you, young Somali woman, for wearing <laughs> such modest dress and not requiring me to exercise any more restraint to the eye faculty than necessary. You know? Well, right. But do you see how that flips the whole thing backwards? Yes, right? exactly. Makes it exactly. their responsibility exactly. to restrain your senses. No, that, that's exactly my conundrum there. <laughs> exactly. No, no, yeah. It's, nope, it's your job to restrain your senses or not. It's up to you, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not that uh, that I have such a, a, a bikini body that I would need to, uh, you know, worry that, the, the young women, but uh, it did kind of make me think that well, there is that other side of it that yeah. you you would you can be doing a, a, a gift to other people by uh, not tempting their senses yeah. in certain yeah. ways, you know, and uh, uh, so that that's when uh, we get into the dangerous moral territory of being a musician. Yeah. <laughs> so are we uh, tempting people to lack of mindfulness by our beautiful uh, music? Uh, yeah, that's. I mean the. Basically says as much. Yeah, <laughs> he never, uh, you know, he never explicitly talks to a musician. Uh, he does talk to an actor. Uh, he talks to a soldier. Uh, he says just exactly that. That like, oh, there you are. And I mean, and one of the things I guess too, he said is that you, um, if you go and act heedlessly, then you are encouraging others to do the same. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't necessarily know in the realms of classical music if you're really, you know, acting heedlessly. <laughs> and once again, I mean, if you control your own behavior and you live heedfully. You know, I think uh, people people really look up to somebody with some skill and, and all that kind of stuff and that you can be a good example. Uh, the other thing that he talks about in both of those circumstances is that the actor believed that he would go to some sort of uh, the, the heaven of the laughing yakas or something like that, right? That, um, that he was going to go and, and basically amuse the gods in his afterlife. And he says, nope, sorry. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. You're heedless. Uh, you encourage others to be heedless. You have wrong view. There's uh, two results: wrong view. Hell or the animal one. Bummer. <laughs> Bummer for you. You know, and uh, and it's kind of interesting though. In those suttas, you know, they start crying, and and he says, uh, I, "This is why I told you. Don't ask me that question. I told you three times. Don't ask me that question. On the third time, I asked you a question. He says, "Oh no, no, no. It's that's not what I'm upset about. What I'm upset about is that here I've lived my entire life in a in a total lie, and now I see the truth, and I and I know." You know, um, and with the soldier, that's the other one too. It's like, man, that's a big issue. Is that um, you know the soldier believes that he's going to be in some sort of Valhalla for fallen mm. soldiers. And he's like, nope. You go, you kill, you tell the people to do likewise. I can tell you where you're going to end up. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, of course, a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, but but it's also, um, you know, uh, like we talked about before, it's hard to find any kind of livelihood outside of begging that is not. Um, you know, potentially troublesome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the the message isn't that 
well, just give up. <laughs> the message is just notice that if you're living an impure life, then there'll be consequences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've chosen to live life of laymen, and so it will be, you know, by necessity impure, and we just yeah. can do the best that we can. Well, I mean, and even though the, like, you know, he talks about laymen that he has, uh, you know, that are merchants and stuff, yeah. um, and some of them are anagami, and there's even, like, one where... Uh, as he's dying, a monk goes and gives him a sermon, and he says that he's fully released, that he's uh, he's not coming back anymore, that there's no difference between the layman's mind as he dies um, than the than the monk's mind. Well, it was an Adipendika, the the one that uh, gave, oh, okay. uh, gave the the, yeah. the great park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is interesting. I, someday we'll have to do a talk on uh, on Buddhism and, and money. Yeah. It's clearly not a problem to be a very rich man. Yeah, uh, the, the rich man can go through the eye of a needle in Buddhism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I mean, and once again, too, it's all about uh, how you use your money, and um, and uh, you know, I think Anathapindika probably lived fairly modestly, other than the fact that he was buying up land left and right <laughs> to give to monasteries. But you know, and even his name, um, Anathapindika, it was like um, that he was the savior of orphans, or so that's what that name means, something like that. And um, he was originally uh, very arrogant about that, that mm. that's what he did with his money is that he gave all of his money and, and saved orphans and gave them homes and, mm. and food and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, the Buddha was able to even uh, release him of that opinion. Um, mm. that, you know, I think he continued to still do charitable acts and stuff, but he says you do the charitable acts, but you don't be attached to it. You know, it's not, you're not doing this if you're doing this to feed your ego, although that's not a word that's ever used. But if you're doing this to feed your sense of self and say, I'm good because I do these acts, well, you're screwing up. That is uh, very encouraging for a layperson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, restraining the uh, the senses. Yeah, just the last one to mention there is that restraining of the mind faculty. Yeah. I think that, that goes uh, that goes nicely with the previous one, right? Mm-hmm. That it's, uh, it's very easy if you're living a life of the mind to allow your mind to just kind of wander here, wander there. I, I find myself, uh, you know... The night before I go to bed, you know, what do I do with this this brain? You know, do I do I meditate with it? Do I just let it drift off into fantasy land? Do mm-hmm. I uh, do I clear my mind? Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, it would it, it's very easy to lose yourself in fantasy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, taints to be abandoned by using. Mm. What taints bhikkhus should be abandoned by using? Here a bhikkhu, reflecting wisely, uses the robe only for protection from cold, from protection from heat, from protection from contact with gadflies, mosquitoes, wind, sun, and creeping things, and only for the purpose of concealing private parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, I have to say, is, uh, is uh, one of my big practices during the summer in Minnesota and in China, is the damn mosquitoes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, that, that I've uh, always been uh, a ready target for mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. They love me. And uh, it, is an e- it is an easy thing for me to lose my mindfulness when walking through some tall grass. <laughs> and uh, whatever I wear, whatever I do, that seems to be something that's uh, easy, you know, a temptation to quack one of them, a temptation to allow myself to just get so angry with them and frustrated. And uh, I find it really encouraging sometimes when I read this that even, you know, great, you know, serious... I was reading a section from the... Um, I'm sorry, forgetting the name, the, the verses of the of the monks uh, right. in the Kudukunikaya. And uh, it, it was talking about... Uh, 
tormented constantly by flies and mosquitoes <laughs> here in the, in the wilderness. And I thought, isn't that the thing? You go out to... I, I remember once a couple of years ago, I, I went to a national park nearby here and found this beautiful stone in a clearing. And I thought, oh, what a beautiful place to meditate. I sit out on it. I'm there for one minute and there's mosquitoes in my ears crawling over my head. And I just thought... Right. What would it be like to meditate in a jungle in India? In yeah, a that's right. <laughs> Bad enough here. <laughs> Reflecting wisely, he uses alms food neither for amusement nor for intoxication nor for the sake of physical beauty and attractiveness, but only for the endurance and continuance of this body, for ending discomfort and for assisting the holy life, considering... Thus, I shall terminate old feelings without arousing new feelings, and I shall be healthy and blameless and live in comfort. That's right. Yeah. I, uh, I gave myself a little slightly different uh, translation of this that I've started trying to say before I eat. I think it's a nice thing to, to yeah. do. Not exactly the same. Uh, I don't eat alms food, for example, but, yeah. uh, uh, but everything I eat comes from somewhere else and mm-hmm. uh, it's reliant on somewhere else. And so it's a nice thing to, uh, to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of people. Uh, it used to be, I think, more women, and now increasingly men too, uh, are obsessed with what they eat and how it affects their body. And uh, it, it, again, it's easy to slip over from it just being an issue of health yeah. to being an issue of vanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, people can be incredibly obsessed over this sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Reflecting wisely, he uses the medicinal requisites only for protection from arisen, afflicting feelings and for the benefit of good health. While taints, vexations, and fever might arise in one who does uh, does not use the requisites thus, there are no taints, vexation, or fever in one who uses them thus. These are called the taints that should be abandoned by using. Mm-hmm. Taints to be abandoned by enduring. What taints bhikkhus should this one's, be? Yeah, this one's right here for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, yeah, yep. maybe this is more uh, more appropriate. Yep. Should be abandoned by enduring. Here a bhikkhu, reflecting wisely, bears cold and heat, hunger and thirst, in contact with gadflies, mosquitoes, wind, the sun, and creeping things. He endures ill-spoken, unwelcome words and arisen bodily feelings that are painful, wrecking, sharp, piercing, disagreeable, distressing, and menacing to life. While taints, vexation, and fever might arise in one, and so on. Same, yeah, yeah. same there. Yeah, that, that, you're right. This one is more appropriate for the, uh, the gadflies, etc. Yep, by, uh, by tolerating or by enduring. There's a, I mean, there's a lot in there, too. Uh, one of these things, I mean, uh, there's, I'd say, almost no level of practice in this entire sutta that basically couldn't be adapted by householders. Right. right, that's right. Um, and one of the things that we get as householders uh, that monks probably do not get is abusive speech from all different angles, right? I mean, if you're a monk sitting in a monastery, nobody's going to come up and tell you, ah, oh, you suck, you didn't do this, you know, <laughs> right? Um, but that's something to just, you know, living at home, that's the natural, you rub up against people in your job, in your daily family, occurrence. Or a daily occurrence, yeah, right? That's right? And so there's, I mean... That's the thing is this, oh, man, when am I going to practice? Oh, I'm going to practice right now. This is the time to practice. Right. 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 Um, and that's uh, one of those things that, like, uh, you know, I mean, literally, he's talking about tolerating everything, tolerating sharp, racking, painful feelings that are going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. that's that's about it. You can't get any more extreme. Like, up to the moment of death, as you are dying, you're tolerating these feelings, and that's your practice. 
I, I like the connection here with the previous one as well. Is though it's it's not that you go out and, int- and intentionally yes. you know get get swarmed by mosquitoes or that you intentionally right. starve yourself or something like no. that. No, you wear appropriate clothes. You take appropriate medicine. You do the things that you can to stay healthy and and, and fit and whatever else. And then at a certain point, those things will fail. Yeah. I can put on DEET. I can wear, you know, a long sleeve shirt. Still going to get bit by mosquitoes. Yep. I can take medicine, and that's appropriate thing to do. It's not that you're, you know, that you're uh, 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 encouraging this kind of pain. You know, right. if, I, if I have a, a broken tooth, I get it fixed. Yeah. But at a certain point, there will be physical pain. You will die. And at that point, that's when that endurance practice is, is yep. useful. And uh, practicing endurance, I think, is really a thing. You know, I, I think uh, doing it in meditation, you know, I, I feel like, you know, when you start meditating, it could just be incredible. So I, I was uh, I was sitting at, we did, at the center and we did a 30-minute um, a set or something like that. And a woman leaned up to me and said, God, this is so much harder than the 15 <laughs> minutes I do at home. <laughs> and the thing is, that's right. Yeah. If, if you do 15 minutes, then suddenly you double that and it yeah. is struggling you do have to endure it you know but the other side of it is that after you've done it for a while you have in practice you have practiced your endurance you have learned to adjust to those kinds of Mm -hmm. things and 30 minutes isn't quite the uh, the daunting uh, you know mount everest that it was uh, uh, before and that uh, endurance could be learned i I was talking about this with my wife who who grew up in just you know by 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 um you know, comparison to how we live now, just utter deprivation. Yeah, you know? yeah. They, they, they didn't have running water. They didn't have electricity, gas, anything. They had, uh, they, sh- they shared a towel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They'd go down to the creek to, and uh, she, she has a certain ability to tolerate pain uh, that is really remarkable, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I find the same kind of thing in my grandmother. And uh, I don't have it in the same way. <laughs> you know, there are things I tolerate, things I don't, but I just feel like they have a certain grace about enduring these kind of physical things that mm-hmm. I don't have and my children don't have. <laughs> just a matter of training. There you go. There you go. I haven't had the, the moment yet. Okay, so here's one that you're not going to find in very many uh, Dhamma books. Mm-hmm. Taints to be abandoned by avoiding. avoiding. Yep. <laughs> What taints bhikkhus should be abandoned by avoiding? Here a bhikkhu reflecting wisely avoids a wild elephant, a wild horse, a wild bull, a wild dog, a stake, uh, sorry, a snake. (laughs) I guess you avoid a snake too, but there's different ways. A a snake, a stump, a bramble, a patch, a chasm, a cliff, a cesspit, a sewer. Reflecting wisely, he avoids sitting on unsuitable seats, wandering to unsuitable resorts, and associating with bad friends. Since if he were to do so, wise companions in the holy life might suspect him of evil conduct. And then uh, the, the, the repetition of the yeah, vexation yeah. of fever and so on. Yeah, yeah I think uh, this kind of connects to that uh, the, the two ago, uh, avoiding and abandoning, uh, that in order to avoid some of these, these uh, well, it's entirely appropriate to avoid some of these things, right? Yes. So meditating by a cesspit, meditating by a sewer. Right, going is, out into the middle of the desert with no protection. Exactly. It's not some yeah. glorious practice, you know. Right. Instead, it's macho bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, when, when the Buddha was, uh, you know, in, in, just before his enlightenment, he intentionally went to the most beautiful 
uh, spot that he could find next to a flowing river with shade and mm-hmm. near a, a village because that's a good place to meditate. Yeah. Right? You, you, you're going you know, internal, so you don't want to be distracted by all these things. Yeah. It's not that, uh, that the gadflies or wild bulls or whatever are going to be useful because you'll toughen yourself up. Right, yeah, no. But rather the opposite. Bad friends is a good one too. Did yeah. you did you find yourself hanging out with different friends when you stopped drinking? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just naturally a lot of times when you uh, have friends that you drink with. That's uh, kind of what you got in common, right? That's kind of what you got in common, and, uh, and that's okay. You know, uh, some of those friends I still see and stuff uh, on occasional basis. I don't think that. Uh, well, bad I don't suspect or... you of evil conduct. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think they're bad people or anything, but they're just making different choices and. And I think that's the other thing, too, is that when you start looking at, I don't know, your own personal path, whether it's Buddhist or whatever, as you making a choice. Yeah. I'm, I'm making a choice that I feel is right for me. With the information Absolutely. that I have, this is what I feel is right for me. And it doesn't reflect on them, or it's not about them, or their practice, or how they do, or their lack of practice, or whatever. It's about the choices that you make. It can be positively useful to uh, to associate with people that are not. I mean, most of us don't have the option, but to, yeah. to associate with people of a different practice or outside of practice. Yeah. You know, that it's uh, it's important to remember what you're doing here. Yeah. Uh, that that people that only associate with uh, with Democrats or only with Republicans or only with Christians yeah. or whatever can get a little bit, you know, forgetful of uh, of the broader world. I, I've just been reading this new uh, biography of uh, uh, Patty Hearst mm. and how. Uh, you know, the Siamese Liberation Army just got so twisted. And a big part of the reason was they only talked to themselves. They, yeah. they, 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 they turned in, in interior to the point where they, uh, they lost all, um, I don't know, perspective with the outside world. Yeah. And so uh, from time to time, it can be useful to, to intentionally associate with, <laughs> I, I, you know, this is a political season and people are, are gathering into tribes and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, the, the, the more I practice, the more I've noticed that even, you know, the people in the tribe of the candidate that I would vote for mm-hmm. uh, kind of repel me in a certain way because they sure. can get so ingrown and, and obsessed and, and twisted. And uh, um, e- even the way they talk, it becomes very uh, uh, ugly and unfair. <laughs> well, I mean, and too, one of the things that uh, he speaks about again and again and again. Um, now it's, of course, in relation to different views than we might have today. But uh, he says one pernicious wrong view is uh, only this is true and everything else is worthless. Mm. And we find that uh, left, right, up, and down everywhere, pretty much. Um, doesn't matter if you're, I mean, talking PC or Mac or, <laughs> you know, or things that are... That now there, I think you... <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely something. But, I mean, too, the other thing is, um, you know, uh, in this particular case, there are different things that are appropriate at different times on when you're on your path. And, and I think that if you're just kind of starting out and you, you know, you're trying to put some of the things, if you're a heavy drinker or whatever, you're a drug addict especially, I mean, if you're a drug addict, then it's probably not best to be hanging out with your old friends. Yeah. You know, um, and there's also, I mean, I can't think of any particular discourse where somebody of ill repute comes to the Buddha, but I think there are a few, especially when it comes to people of ill repute come to the monks. Right. And he doesn't refuse to teach them. Right. You know, um, to him, it's not, it's not going to harm him. He's, you know, <laughs> right. And so that's the thing is that there's, you know, there's different 
places that we can be on. And, and I think that um, as we get further along and we get more sustained in our practice, um, and I think that when we really start to understand what we feel is right and why we think it's right, it becomes less important to try and tell anybody else. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no point. And, and so, you there's know. people that don't want to hear. Yeah, people that don't want to hear. Well, then, you know, um, <laughs> you know, they got, uh, oh, okay, their place is a total mess because they've been drunk for a week. Mm. You know, okay, well, I can't tell you stop drinking, but I can help you pick up your place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any psychic powers. I can't just will it to happen, but I can sit here and, you know, as you're just like hung over and you haven't, you know, gone outside in a week and you just trash all over your apartment. It's like, yeah, okay. God, you really do have some you. friends, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think that's it exactly, that uh, we can only do uh, where, where we're at on the path. And that uh, if you uh, if you don't expect that much of yourself, then you're not going to make any progress. You know, it would be like uh, you know continuing to practice book one after you've uh, after your long you know and on the violin after you've you know you're not you're not going to continue to progress just by practicing the easy stuff. But on the other hand, if you if you go right into the Rachmaninoff concerto, then you'll never make any progress at all. No, yeah, be, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. And so you just have to look. I think what's appropriate, and you know, and you, once again, if you're practicing right effort. Right, you know, what kind of thoughts are getting into my mind? You know, um, certain people that I care about and associate with, I know what their opinions are. They can say their opinions all day long. I'm never going to believe a word of it. <laughs> I understand that they have those opinions, right? And that's okay for them to have those opinions, but it's not going to seep into my mind, <laughs> you know. But there was a point, there was a point where I was very unsure about what I thought was right or wrong or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so then at that point in my life, it would have been best to just avoid that contact because if, mm. I, don't come, if I don't come into contact with it, then I'm not going to have any particular feeling or pancha about it. It's not going to happen, right? Um, when you're thinking, oh, who am I? What do I want? What's right? Is there an afterlife? Is it all just nothing? Is it all just a nihilism? Is there no point in even trying to practice virtuous actions? Well, if you're at that place, then yeah, you better go associate with some good friends if you can find them. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I have. Uh, I don't know if it's the smartest thing, but I have intentionally. There, there's some things I listen to and read that are intentionally um, the opposite of what I think. You know, so I've got a podcast that has the exact opposite political view that I yeah. do. And so once a week, I listen to it, and I, I, uh, I try to do two things. I try to take what they say seriously, mm -hmm. and I try to notice my own heart as they say it. Yeah. And I try to notice when I, when I'm, you know, my gorge is rising. You know, my yeah. my anger is rising, and I try to. Uh, you know, see that at least, and then uh, the same thing. There's a a, a, a blog I read, uh, a supposedly Buddhist blog, mm -hmm. but I just think is sometimes so um, frustratingly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, same kind of thing. You know, this is something that I that I find to be beautiful and and uh, and important. And when someone mischaracterizes it. Uh, so I, I read it first of all to just check my own view and some things on it I've found to be really useful and helpful and right and so on mm -hmm. and but then the other side of it is to, to, to just kind of as I read it I know that I can have that reaction so to try to check my own heart and, and keep, a, a, keep a lookout for those feelings of ill will arising. Mm -hmm. <laughs>